0: Welcome everybody to the EDM Podcast. My name is Aidan Russell, aka Artsy, and I'll be your host. And if you're new here, this is a show where we interview producers, artists, industry experts, anyone in the realm of electronic music production who can help you make better music and grow yourself as an artist. Now I'm really excited today is 163 episodes. So we have Jafunk on today. He is a producer from my native homeland here in Australia, but he now lives in Berlin and works out of there as a producer, kind of making a nice combination of funk, house, soul influenced uh, electronic music. And yeah, he has a lot of cool things to say. In this episode, we dive into a lot of things such as how he grew as an artist, why he decided to leave Australia and move to Europe to pursue his career. We dive into things like starting his sample packs, uh, which are on Splice and Lootmasters. We also cover a whole bunch of things about tracks he's released, his favorite production techniques. And this is a really awesome all-round episode. So if you're a producer who's wanting just to... Hear you know a really nice story, I guess, about a producer who's um, grown humbly, who's made some really cool music, and is still on that journey. Then make sure you listen through this whole episode. Uh, was really fun re- to record, so can't wait to get into it. But before we jump straight in, I just want to let you know about EDM Foundations. Now, EDM Foundations, if you're not familiar, is our course for new producers where basically you master the fundamentals of music production in uh, making four tracks from scratch. So you're sitting there, sitting down in your door, making professional quality music and actually seeing the results instead of just learning a bunch of concepts like a lot of other courses teach you. We've had so many producers enroll in this course over the years. In fact, we have nearly 5,000 producers inside of EDM Foundations right now who've made their music way better and have got started off on the right foot and not just left it up to chance. So if you want to enroll in EDM Foundations and kickstart your music production journey, head to edmfoundations.com right now and you can learn more there. But let's get into the EDM Podcast 163 with Jafunk. All that right there. In the yellow sundress, bring that ass right here.
1: Amazing. Welcome, everybody, to
0: the EDM Podcast. Today, I'm joined in the virtual studio here with Lachlan, also known as Jafunk. How's it going, man?
1: Man, going good. Going good. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Sweet. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Um, it's bright and early for
1: you over there, right?
0: 9 a.m., yeah, is it? 9 a.m. That's
1: about as early as you'll ever see me up. So... <laughs>
0: Yeah, fair enough then, fair enough. Um sweet. Well, you you guys have been kind of out of super heavy restrictions over there for a while now, right? Like you you're able to like do shows and that kind of thing. Like
1: Yeah, yeah. Um I mean, we went sort of through our lockdown period more at the start of the year and bef- around, you know, just before May and mm-hmm. and now things like the last couple of weeks stuff's opened up a little bit. I uh, I was actually in London uh, two weeks ago doing uh, like a riding trip there and I went to a couple nice. of festivals and also Berlin. I think the clubs have actually opened up last week or something. So it's awesome. nice to yeah, have some stuff finally coming back.
0: Oh, It's good to hear, man. Good to hear it. it's happening. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, sweet, man. Well, I've got a um, bunch of stuff I want to dive into Um because, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, like, your funky, soulful, kind of jazz-inspired take on electronic music. Um, so, yeah, man, I guess the first thing I wanted to know is, like, how did you get into music in the first place? And, yeah, what has your musical journey looked like and, like, how you got into production and that sort of thing, if you want to dive into that a bit for us? Yeah, for sure.
1: So, I actually got into music through DJing and just listening to music first. Um, I think it was back in 2000, roughly 2010. Nice. Um, I was just coming out of high school and I don't know why, but I don't know if you guys had these shops in Melbourne too, Sanity, like the CD shops. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: grew up I grew up in Brisbane, so like we had them up there too.
1: Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I was just like in the shops one day with my mum. And I remember just like looking around at some CDs and I saw this really cool like cover art. I didn't really even know like what the music was, what genre, but I was just like, yeah, that looks cool. I'm gonna buy that. And it was like Ministry of Sound, the annual two thousand and like nine or ten or something. Oh,
0: man, uh, <laughs> that was the album that got that was literally the album that got me into electronic music too or no one of way. them. Yeah, that's legit. crazy. Two thousand and nine specifically, that's funny.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So there was, it was, there was like the Australian Ministry of Sound one, which I bought and I also bought in 2000, it was like the 2010 UK annual. So oh, it yeah. was tracks like, um, delirious laid back Luke remix, mm. um, like kind of in the electro house sort of phase, yeah. um, which was quite big in Australia around then, I guess. Like I had no idea about club culture or anything cause I was too, I, I was still 17 or 16, so I couldn't go out or anything. Fair, um, yeah. But yeah, I just bought this album purely out of chance and sort of got into dance music through that. And then I went on a, a bit of a tangent a couple of years later where I listened to just like trance music. So like nice. Armin Van Buren, Gareth Emery, Australian DJ Tidy. Who oh, yeah. You, um... I remember Tidy. <laughs> um, so I really loved that kind of music. And like, I, I wasn't thinking of making music or DJing or anything at this point, but mm. I just really loved listening to it. Yeah. Um, And then eventually I, my next thought was like, oh, like, you know, I'm seeing these guys, they're all DJs, they're playing this music out, like, how do they do that? I started to go out as well to clubs and see DJs in bars and clubs. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Mm. Um, So yeah, me and a friend of mine, we actually bought, we we sort of got in through like virtual DJ and stuff first as well, just like computer programs. And then we eventually ended up buying uh, a set of CDJ 350s, which were like the most basic USB um, Pioneer DJ stuff. And then yep. we started yeah, like learning how to play on CDJs, playing at some friends' parties around Perth, which is where I grew up. And nice. yeah, then after a few years of DJing, the next question was like, oh, um, like how are people actually making this music? Um And at the time, I think by then I'd sort of evolved into, I was in more like house, uh, funky stuff, but also I really got into Eric Prids and his alias is Prider.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: So I basically, when I started production, I wanted to be Prider or like Eric (laughs) Prids. So I spent a few years just basically copying him and trying to like make his music, which was, yeah, I think the reason I wanted Well, the reason his music made me get into production was that it seems so simple. And that Mm. is, you know, it's very loopy. It can be like a one-bar loop for the course of seven or eight minutes. Yeah. Um, And then he just, like, automates it over time. But I listened to that and I was like, oh, wow, this is so easy. Like, surely I can do this. And Mm. then obviously I realized that, you know, it's not. (laughs) And (laughs) and the production is actually quite, you know, quite hard. But, um, yeah, yeah, through that I sort of go into producing music And then after maybe, you know, and at this point too, I I had no understanding of musical instruments like music itself. I'd never touched any instrument through my um, child and teenage years. Right. So I was kind of at the same time learning piano from scratch to try and teach me. So I literally bought some, uh, like some books from a music shop, which was like grade one music theory and grade one piano. Um, and so, yeah, I, I sort of spent a couple of years from there just like cutting my teeth and, and learning the very basic stuff. Um, and then, yeah, maybe after about three years of, of just messing around in Ableton, I, uh, discovered Disclosure Oof, and their nice. album, um, like the first album, Settle.
0: Yeah. And that was a, a real album.
1: game changer. Yeah. And then also things started coming up then like FKJ, the Roche music guys who are more like in this funky French. Uh, dance kind of vibe but that Mm -hmm. sort of exposed me a bit more to like soulful and jazzy sort of stuff so yeah i I just i said to myself all right i want to be like the disclosure but a bit more funky so that was actually how i started my Ja funk project was trying to be funky disclosure um so yeah that's that's sort of my pathway about how i i got from zero to to starting jar funk at least
0: yeah, that's awesome. No, that's really interesting. I do find, like, you know, when once you've been producing in, in music a little while, you kind of eventually settle. Like, I guess your sound always evolves, but you do kind of figure out the elements of what you like. And you're like, I want to combine this, but do it a bit like more like this, you know? And yeah. I, I feel like there's almost like a little bit of a light bulb moment once you discover exactly what you want to do. But that's really cool, man. Out of curiosity, like, do you, um, how long was like your instrument journey, like learning the instruments along with production? Because I feel like a lot of producers kind of also come from that background where they haven't necessarily like learned an instrument growing up and they maybe want to now to kind of enhance their writing process or stuff like that. Like, was that a long journey for you or is it something you're still doing? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a long journey. I mean, I'm still learning instruments today. Um, yep. You probably see I got the bass back there. I've just started to learn bass and guitar now, nice. which has been a real game changer. But um, yeah, I I started with the keys. Just I like I bought um like a 49 key MIDI keyboard, which was the first thing I learned piano and keys on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know why exactly I chose that first. I think because within Ableton, you know, you can see the piano roll. So I was like, oh, okay, it's probably useful here to learn piano. And I'd spoken to some people and they all said the same thing. And also the music that I was making was quite like synth-based, I guess. So I was watching people playing synths and so it seemed natural to, you know, to learn the keys and it was quite a versatile instrument when it comes to production. Um, And also just to learn music theory too. I think the keys, to me, it, it made a lot more sense than the guitar just because of the way the notes are laid out, you know, in a row. For Whereas sure. guitar, it's you know it's got six strings and it's a bit trickier, so yeah, piano just seemed like something I could actually do and that was easy. So that was kind of the reason why I chose that. And also, F. K. J. played the piano and I looked at him and I was like, "Fuck, this guy's is... <laughs> <laughs> this is sick. I want to do that." Um, sure. So yeah, that was that was kind of my entry into learning an instrument. And then I guess the reason I picked up guitar and and bass. Uh, about a year and a half ago now i say yeah was just because like all the all the music I listen to is like disco and funky stuff now yeah and both guitar and bass is such a huge part of that and I was like you know before when I needed guitar I'd have to find a guitar player here and you mm. know um, record some stuff sometimes it wasn't exactly what I was after so it, it was a big process and it just got a bit tiring. So I was like, yeah, it's probably gonna be in the long run easier if I just actually learn this instrument and I'm able to do it and record it myself. So
0: interesting,
1: yeah, but I love, I think that's to me, that's um, I guess I'm always like looking for something that makes making music fun. Yeah. And to me when, like playing and touching real instruments is a lot more fun to me than just like, you know, inputting notes on a MIDI roll in Ableton or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's just my personal thing that I do like I'm sure lots mm-hmm. of other people just get a buzz out of creating like a crazy sound in you know, in Ableton and processing it and stuff but for, yeah I'm always looking for stuff that inspires me and that keeps me mm-hmm. going and wants me to you know get in the studio and have some fun and instruments of that for me so that's awesome. kind of why I'm picking them up.
0: That's awesome man. And yeah, like back to the keys thing, it's just such a versatile instrument. Like if anyone's listening and thinking of picking up an instrument for the first time, like I would highly rec- also highly recommend keys. Um, mm. Like I like started learning trumpet early on and I'm like, that is just the example of a non-versatile instrument. Like it's nice, <laughs> but like you can only play one note at a time and like you don't learn chords and yeah. Uh, it's really tiring to play as well for long periods. You can't just like jam on it for hours on end, whereas on a piano that you can do that more easily. So yeah, um, yeah keys think, are very yeah. versatile. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. <laughs> versatile. Absolutely. And they're just like, like you said, you learn chords, you can play bass on them, you can play lead mm. melodies. So you definitely learn a lot. Uh, I mm. think through learning the keys. Yeah.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, you also mentioned about like, you know being inspired about being being inspired by like disco and funk i'm curious cuz obviously you're from perth originally and you've been in berlin for a little while now do you find like the local music scene in berlin which definitely has like this kind of house techno influence mm-hmm. i would say and maybe by extension disco and funk to to some extent do you find that has like an influence on what you're writing now
1: no <laughs> really? Okay, cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I mean in some way, yeah, everything like, you know, your surroundings definitely influence you. But like you said, yeah. Berlin is, you know, majority of the time just techno and like house music, which I still love. Like I love house. Yeah. Um and actually when I was in the UK, like yeah, getting back into that house vibe sort of was like, Oh yeah, maybe I could make some house music again. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I think I've also have experienced a few times disco here in Berlin, which has been cool. Um, okay. Yeah, like you said, I guess because house music is sort of a dera- derivation of disco, there's yeah. always going to be this little connection there. And you know, there's times where I've been out to clubs, and um, I'm sure you've heard about like uh, Berghain and like yeah. Panorama Bar and these places. I once, I only got in, I didn't even get into Berghain, but I went into Panorama Bar one time, which is like the top part of Berghain.
0: Yeah. right.
1: And, it's a bit lighter, it's a bit more housey and, and disco And I remember being in there um, listening to a guy called Marcellus Pittman who's like an old Detroit uh, legendary house guy and he was playing some mm. like really cool disco stuff at like nine in the morning and I was like, yeah, this is, this is pretty sick. So it pops up in rare places here in Berlin. Mm. Um, but like you said, it's mainly techno. So, yeah, you know, in a way, I'm kind of I kind of just put myself in my own bubble here and in, in the studio, mm. and like I'm, I'm just listening to, you know, like Shalamar, um, mm. Chic, like uh, nice. So yeah, so many of these old sort of 70s and 80s disco people. Um, whereas if you know if I was just, just to go out and listen to the music playing out, maybe I would be making house and techno now. So. It's just, yeah, it's just like what I gravitate towards, I guess, when I'm listening. And now that I do listen to it a lot, Spotify, the algorithm has kind of like picked yeah. up that that's my vibe. And so my Discover Weekly is now just fire every single week just all these like 70s disco tracks.
0: Yeah. So, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. No, it's super interesting that, like, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be. And I think that's encouraging in some ways because people listening, maybe in like this city that's like, oh, man, this is like my my scene is not in this city necessarily or like the kind of music yeah. I want to make is not represented by the city I'm in. But that doesn't mean you can't still be inspired and, and find yeah. the kind of music you want to write.
1: Um, that was definitely like that. just quickly as well. That was pretty much the reason why I left Perth was because right. I, I, I couldn't find the scene of like the music that I liked. I mm-hmm. um You know, like at the start when I was getting into, like I said, the Ministry of Sound albums, stuff like that, like I was playing everywhere in the clubs. So that made yeah. a lot of sense then. And then once I started going down my own pathway and getting into like Disclosure and, you know, Funky House too around the same time, yeah, um, I just felt a little bit of a disconnect there musically and that was kind of the reason why I went to the UK because I knew like London had such a, a broad scene and, you know, electronic and house music was massive there. And I also, you know, like knew that Head Candy came from there, which was more on the mm. funkier side of things. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, when I when I moved over there, it was crazy. I was like, wow, I'm so happy I did this because, you know, there, there was this one club called uh, the South London Soul Train, which was near Peckham where I was living, and they used to just play, like, old disco stuff, um, you know, to a warehouse full of people all yeah. like, young people as well. And I was like, wow, this is crazy, you know. I've yeah. never experienced anything like this in, in Perth. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was... That was, I think, a good move. And probably, yeah, I would encourage anyone who's, you know, if you really want to take music seriously, it's good to immerse yourself in a place where, you know, the music you're making is actually being played in clubs and, you know, there's events for it and stuff just because it will it'll change your life. I've, I certainly felt, I felt a mm. big connection then to London. I was like, wow, I've, I kind of feel like I fit in a little bit more here. Um, sure. You know? Um, so yeah, that was, that was a good time.
0: Awesome, man. No, that's very interesting. I'm, I'm curious. I will ask, like, so you moved to the UK and then what spurred you on to move to Berlin instead?
1: Um, basically I wasn't able to get a visa in, in the UK. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I actually wanted to stay there, but I just, yeah, like with music, um, and I was also tennis coaching. That was my job. Oh wow! Years, okay, cool. while, the whole time while I was in the UK and I couldn't get a visa for either one of those things. So yeah, I was like, I still wanted to stay in Europe somewhere and be close. Um, so yep. yeah, I knew some people in Berlin and I've been there a few times before. So I kind of knew like, yeah, I could try this place out for a bit and see what it's like. And yeah, then just kind of took a chance and moved there.
0: That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, no, made it work, I suppose. And being in Europe, I guess you know everything is pretty close, so you can very easily just travel to the UK for for
1: shows sure yeah. and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, it's up, yeah, it's only like an hour away on the plane, so so easy to go over there for sessions or gigs or whatever.
0: Yeah. Nice, man. That's awesome. Sweet. Well, switching it up a little bit, I want to talk about like maybe. Sort of your more early days and and kind of how once you decided to you know start your funk um like how things kind of started to take off for you and one of those um tracks, which was actually a remix of setmos' chasing forever mm. um seemed to be a track that early on uh put put you on the map, so to speak so yeah how what was that experience like? how did the remix opportunity come about and um Looking back, is it like kind of something that, yeah, definitely you can say put, put you on the map?
1: Yeah, that was definitely one of the moments. Um, mm. I think there's a few things I remember. The the very first thing was actually kind of through SoundCloud and Instagram. So like back then, all I was doing to like sort of um, get new followers and stuff was to upload stuff to SoundCloud, free download. Yep. Um, and then do like the like gates that were happening back then where you like, yeah. you know, they had to like your Facebook page and in order to download the track. So sure. I was doing that. Um, and then actually these guys from Detroit called golf clap, they found my music, um, through SoundCloud, nice. and they like reposted a couple of my songs. Um, and at the time I think I had like maybe a few hundred followers and they had, I think like 20,000 or something. So like, wow. Back then, that was big to get reposted on SoundCloud by someone, you know, even kind of big was a big Mm. thing because, you know, people were really like listening to stuff on SoundCloud and discovering people. So that was a big moment. And then they posted a video on Instagram of them playing one of my tracks in Detroit, like at a party. And that was, that was like blew my mind because, you know, at this point I'm just making music in my bedroom uploading it to SoundCloud. I've never seen, I barely even showed it to any of my friends, you know, Mm. and then to see people like dancing to this stuff, it was like, wow, okay, this is really cool. (laughs) Um, That's sick. So that was a big moment. And then, yeah, after that I sort of, I kept doing the same thing and then I I was also hustling trying to get these like YouTube channels to post it so people like selected, Mm. um, Majestic Casual was massive at the time, The Sound You Need. Yep. these kind of people um, so I was just trying to get my music to them and then selected posted one of my tracks which was an, uh, a big moment no nice. um, I think it was why would you and yes um, yeah that that was also like I got a bunch of new followers from that um, the numbers started to go up on the socials quite a bit and then yeah I think it was just after that or maybe a couple of months or something after that I got um, the message from Setmo. I think they just emailed me, um, and, or their manager emailed me and said, Hey, yeah, like, um, we're we're looking at remixes for this package would be up. Would you be up for doing one? Awesome. Um, yeah. And then the way that actually happened was kind of funny. I, I was like working on a bunch of other beats for just like, you know, um, original tracks, yeah. And I got the remix and I was kind of stuck with this one beat. I didn't really, um, I got a couple of vocals for it, but it just wasn't really working. So sure. it was almost going to go in the trash. And then I just got there, like, you know, the Chasing Forever vocal and just kind of slapped it on top of that. And <laughs> it was like, bam, that works. <laughs> Damn, so, nice. Yeah, that was, that was quite funny. Um, and it, it was also funny because Aiden, their manager, he he, like sent the track to me or sent the stems to me one day, and then like literally one or two days later, I'd sent back the you know almost the finished remix, and he was like, "Wow, that's you work so fast!" <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, Damn. I just like slapped it on a beat I've been working on for months already. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then that was yeah. I didn't. I actually just did that, and I didn't expect anything to happen at all. Um, just kind of sent it back and then it got uploaded to Majestic Casual. It got like 400,000 YouTube views. So wow. it was a little bit unexpected, but it's always nice. And also, I, I wasn't on Spotify at all at this point. So sure. I didn't know, like I didn't even think I knew that they were going to upload it to Spotify and I checked like back on the remix um, once I sort of become a bit more aware of Spotify and and, and that. And uh, it had like, you know, 500,000 streams on there too. And I was like, oh, maybe I should (laughs) upload some music to Spotify. People are on this thing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: totally.
1: So that was the story of that, yeah.
0: That's awesome. Moral of the story, if you're like stuck for a remix idea, just get the vocal and chuck it on an original you've got. That's such (laughs) such underrated advice, I feel, because that would work a lot of times. You'd be surprised. Maybe not work all the time, but...
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I really recommend that too. Like what I Mm. kinda do is I have a demos folder and any beats I'm pretty happy with I'll just chuck in there even if I don't plan on finishing them. Mm. And then you literally never know what can come around the corner. Maybe like yeah, like you said, you can just throw a remix vocal on it, use it as a remix or it might be in a studio session and Yeah, you just you just never know. Totally. So it's good not to not to throw everything away.
0: I'm going to steal that because I definitely sometimes I'm like, oh man, like a remix comes around. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to like write a whole track around this. And I've already (laughs) got like a hundred ideas that are unfinished. Maybe I can just use one of them. That's good. It's a good shout. (laughs)
1: 100%. It's happened quite a few times to me actually, where I've had beats that I was totally done with, like just over them. yeah, And then something will come along like, um another one, Pleasures, which I did with Dirty Radio, I was gonna throw that beat away. And then oh, yeah. I, I'd like sent it out to a bunch of people and they came back with a really cool vocal and it just brought the track back to life. So yeah, it's that's funny how just uh, you know, a bit of like a random element can come in and and just change the game.
0: That's awesome. I think that's a good piece of advice for everyone out there who's listening. Um Awesome, man. Yeah, I suppose, like, yeah, majestic casual. They were, and they still kind of are huge. But back in the day, that was like, I know I was kind of making that kind of music back then, and it's like if you could get on there, man, that was that was it. You know, that was like that was yeah. like bucket list stuff. So that's awesome. Yeah,
1: um, they were the for at one point like the hottest YouTube channel going around. For yeah, like maybe a year or or something. Um, yeah, I got. I think I actually got one of my tracks uploaded to them or it was the sound you need or something like a couple of years ago, but I've kind of missed the boat. So I didn't, it doesn't quite have the same like Mm. hype anymore, but that's, that's just happens to everything in music. I think anyway, you know, like I'm sure one day Spotify is going to become like a Facebook type of platform or it's only just old people using it.
0: (laughs) It is interesting how that's happened. Like, yeah, you kind of assume that like what's now is going to always be, but then there could be like, I don't know, there'll probably be some like, TikTok, music version where it's like everyone just listens swipes between tracks and yeah. then it's like spotify playlists seems seem pretty stupid i don't know we'll see what happens
1: yeah <laughs> it'll be see. very interesting <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it'll happen because like i mean yeah i don't know if there's one thing maybe vinyl is like the longest lasting thing that's still i mean it's not obviously the biggest medium listening to music but yeah, it might be one of the only things left. Like CDs are pretty much dead. Cassettes, it's true. Yeah. iTunes even, is now gone.
0: Even vinyl, yeah. I guess for a while they're like kind of died a little bit, and then it kind of resurged like five ten or ten years later, maybe. Yeah, so that, that is very true. Like you never know. Maybe yeah. maybe YouTube will come back.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> YouTube's YouTube's yeah. actually had amazing longevity. I think in terms yeah. of the social media thing. Mm. some Uh,
0: niches still really have huge youtube followings like i know like a lot of like kind of the like deep classic house stuff like a lot of that has a quite a big youtube following still so um, yeah
1: it's very interesting yeah it is interesting yeah but i'll be i won't be surprised if spotify gets knocked off at some point soon yeah it'll be interesting to see what comes
0: next for sure man um Awesome, man. Well, switching it up a little bit, I wanted to dive a a bit into your sample packs that you've been doing on Splice um, Mm. because that's kind of a newer thing, if I'm not mistaken, you've been doing. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I think I did my first one two, maybe even three years ago now. So relatively
0: new, yeah. Yeah, cool. What kind of... um, brought that opportunity on was it something you decided to do actively or was it more like someone was like hey you should do this you'd be good at it and you're like oh yeah cool i'll do it um because it because they've done pretty well now Like they've got hundreds of thousands of downloads and stuff like that so yeah um what happened there
1: yeah no they've they've been great these splice sample packs i mean it's what it's one of like my major forms of income right now as a as an artist so they've been amazing um the, I guess, how I got into it was I, I actually done a few packs before that with a company called Loop Masters. Yeah. And yeah, I think a friend of mine in, in London, he, we, we did a couple of packs together for Loop Masters. He just asked me if I'd be interested in, like, you know, doing them with him. And I said, yeah, sure. sure. Like, it's nice money. And so, yeah, I, I did like two packs for Loop Masters with him. And then we, you know, I kind of enjoyed doing that with him. So we're like, all right, let's look for some other opportunities here. And I had another friend who knew someone at Splice. So I got them to like introduce me to Splice. Mm. And I was like, yeah, look, I've got this artist project, Ja Funk. I'd be interested in doing a, a sample pack. So my cool. first sample pack with them was actually I made it with a friend of mine, James King, who's an amazing music producer. Awesome. Um, And, yeah, we did the pack together, like didn't know at all what was going to happen. And, yeah, it turned out really good. Like it was quite popular. I had, you know, lots of people messaging me saying they're using the sounds and they're really cool. So then I I decided to do the next two by myself. And, yeah, just just through that introduction through a friend, I guess, is how I got into it. But, yeah, it's I I actually really enjoy doing them. Um, It's kind of refreshing to in a way, to making music because with my songs, like the Ja Funk songs, I, you know, I put quite a lot of pressure on myself to, you know, make them as good as I possibly can and, mm. you know, there's quite a lot of emotional attachment to all the songs. Yeah. Um, but with the sample pack stuff, I sort of just like do it and then put it out there like I'm not thinking too much so it's nice to make music like that sometimes where it's a bit more, you know just um i'm not as attached to the ideas and stuff
0: for sure that's interesting do you like i'm kind of curious what is your process for going about creating the sample packs like Um, is it just kind of like pretty random and you just kind of like all right i'm just gonna make a bunch of sounds and bounce them out or like do you kind of have a process for that
1: um. Yeah. I mean, I I go through it pretty. I guess systematically. Like, I just write out everything that I want to have in the pack. Like, yep. kick one shots, clap one shots, and then I go about kind of recording. It's like a combination of recording and then just processing other samples. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Like, I record claps and stuff at home. Sometimes I even just like reco- record on my iPhone, uh, voice notes, and then like process them in Ableton to get them sounding a bit cooler.
0: Yeah, nice. Uh, and do
1: it that way. But I've also got a nice mic as well, which I do a lot of stuff on. Sick. And, yeah, um, I guess I just say, you know, like I know I want for jar funk, my music's normally between like 100 BPM to about 120. So yep. I just put, a, you know, a range of BPMs in Ableton and then just like sort of jam out, find some sounds that I like and, you know, play stuff in Sick. and just also, also stuff. Um, that I've used in previous tracks. Like, There's a lot of sounds in there which I've actually used in some of my songs. So awesome. it's a combination of that and then obviously original loops.
0: That's cool. Do you, I mean, I'm curious, do you actually use your packs very often when you're making your own original music after you've made them or is it kind of just like a separate thing once you've exported that? It's like that's for people to use it but I don't really go in and grab stuff out of there anymore.
1: Yeah, I actually do use stuff from them. Um, I mainly use drum samples because all the music loops Mm. I I made with the intention of like, oh yeah, I won't use these now. It just seems a bit funny to make a sample pack of, you know, original loops and then you know me using them in my songs too. Fair enough. enough. Leave those for the people. Um, But drum sounds I definitely use, and effects I use all the time as well, like some you know rises and downlifters and stuff like that and then also some melodic effects i use quite a bit cool um so yeah stuff like that
0: that's that's cool man no i love it um yeah i'm curious as well like did that help in like covid you kind of mentioned briefly that it's been one of your major sources of income had that been like you know like i guess a a blessing in covid with you know no shows and that kind of thing was Mm -hmm. was it that helpful
1: <laughs> yeah 100 percent. like yeah man like without the sample stuff i would probably be fucked you know, <laughs> in terms of money so right. that yeah like that is like samples I, I do a bunch of other stuff as well like i do mix downs for you know people reach out to me on instagram asking to do mix downs of tracks and mastering and stuff Sweet. so that's that's a part of it um the samples is definitely the biggest part of it like i do Um, Not just the Splice, my stuff, but also I'm still working with Luke Masters, doing a bunch of stuff for them. Like I also record vocal packs with singers here in Berlin um, and a bunch of other random ones which um, are more like – I did like a Tom Mish kind of Jordan Rakai style sample pack for Luke Masters a while ago too. So like different types of genres but still, I guess, kind of in the soulful world. Yep. Um, So, yeah, like – that's that is a big part of my um, like my business side of things for music.
0: That's awesome, man! It's good to have those like yeah diversified income streams. I suppose like especially, yeah, especially at the
1: moment. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm I'm quite lucky that I wasn't one of the you know the guys who was just you know a touring artist. Yeah, um, this, I think it's definitely been hard for people over the last year, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I also just enjoy. Like I, w- I wasn't doing a whole lot of shows before COVID anyway. I had like, I had right. some cool shows, no doubt in like 2019, I played in like Berlin, London, um, Paris, I did one. Uh, even Tokyo and South Korea, I was supposed to go to um, just at the start of COVID too. So I had some cool things, but it wasn't every week. It was like, you know, every month or something like that. So yep. it wasn't a major part of my income anyway. It was So it was kind of lucky.
0: Mm. Uh, and then depending on who you are i suppose as well like based on your personal preferences like you might not want to be doing that many shows so it is in that case good to have those other things you're doing so you can be more selective with shows or if you don't feel like doing them you don't have to you know um yeah it is good to have those other other streams and stuff like that for sure man
1: absolutely yeah yeah i um yeah, I've always wanted to keep Jarfunk Funk as a like a pretty sacred kind of thing. Like, I, I didn't ever want to sell out or do anything really that I wasn't, you know, a hundred percent behind. Yeah. So, yeah, like the sample packs is probably the closest thing that I've done to selling out. Although I think <laughs> it's, <laughs> I think it's still within my brand and my sound, so I don't feel like I've sold out yet.
0: Totally. Um, yeah. But
1: yeah, like there's certainly remixes that have come along. Um, through, like, some bitty, pretty big names and stuff too that I've just, like, turned down because it wasn't my sound and if I was going to do it, it would only be for the money. Yeah. And, yeah, I just don't, like, yeah, it just didn't fit my project. So I always try to keep Jarfunk as, like, um, almost like a passion project, you know, and they do things that I really love.
0: That's cool, man. Awesome. I love that. Well, speaking of... Um... Yeah, your project and stuff like that. I, w- I do want to speak about um your latest tune, Weekend Love. Ooh, that right there. The yellow sundress, bring that ass right here. Smile that she rolled her come with me and we could roll tonight. Looking at your shit, so um, so that was written with Dana Williams? Is that how you pronounce her name?
1: Yes, I think yeah. so. I I actually don't know. I haven't asked her. It could be Dana.
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I, i'm always careful with pronunciations because i just always get them wrong i'm like
1: oh yeah <laughs> classic yeah but. yeah no I, I, let's say dana for now and if it's if it's done i'll get back to you but yeah i wrote it <laughs> wrote it with when i say i wrote it with her like i just did the beat she did yep. all of the writing and the vocals cool um and it was an interesting one like we actually there was a few ideas on that track for the like for the verses and choruses and stuff and i think she might have done about two I think she did two choruses on this one two versions of the chorus and then I kind of like chopped up the vocal in Ableton and mashed the two ideas together into one okay um, yeah so that was how the vocal sort of came about in that.
0: Mm, that's cool she's um worked on another a a couple tunes with you now is that right so that was the second one yeah
1: yeah that, that that was actually the first one and then the second one was you got me Oh, okay um, which is the second so. track of the ep um but yeah she's amazing we we also did a couple of other ideas that didn't quite make the the ep um mm. but yeah she's she's so good i don't, I don't know if you knew as well she's actually the um the daughter of Michael Jackson's guitarist david Williams wow um, so she's got she's definitely got that funk and soulful thing running in her veins That which is is really huge. cool i kind of found that out later yeah
0: wow that's awesome there you go yeah definitely would be uh an influence um yeah awesome man and and on in terms of like the production side of things um yeah how did that track come together in terms of the beat and and you know synths and that sort of thing
1: yeah um so i'd had i was working on some beats at home like you know months before it was done and i reached out to dana um, that's yeah. normally how it works with my tracks. Like I just do a whole beat at home and then when I'm happy with it, I'll send it off to vocalists and that was yep. what happened here. Um, so, yeah, I, I just kind of made it at home. I'd I just bought a bass and a guitar, so I was sort of playing around with that Sweet. and trying to – I've been practising enough finally that I could actually use it in songs, although like I chop it up a lot because I still suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I – yeah, I was just kind of playing around with guitar and bass ideas and then it, it sort of came together over a month and, yeah, then just sent it off to Dana and we started working on the vocal.
0: Nice. That's good. Yeah, sometimes it's – uh <laughs> I definitely do, – like do you find as well that it's better to have like the beat before you start collaborating with a vocalist? Because I know some people kind of work from the beginning, like they'll write, they'll write the track around the vocal. But, I mean, I personally find it's better to have – have the track most, maybe not completely done, but at least done enough so that the vocalist can write over the top. Like, yeah, is that that normally how you work?
1: Yeah, I I do like to have either a full beat or like at least a a strong idea before I go into the studio or send something off to a vocalist. Um, Basically something like, you know, you want to inspire them to write something too. Mm. Um, So, I mean... It, it does work both ways though. Like I've, I've had a session like full for you, another track of mine, for example, Yeah. I basically had a drum loop and a bass idea when I went into the studio with Nick and Nana. And Sweet. yeah, that I, I think it's kind of maybe a little insecurity of mine that I think maybe like, Oh, what if I'm not going to be able to come up with a good idea on the day? Um, uh, and, yeah. You know, like I've got all these good beats at home. I'd rather bring something good in. But then it also brings a different energy, you know, when they see you coming up with ideas, you know, live on the spot, that sort of hypes them up a bit more to, to do something cool too. So mm. it, can, it can definitely work both ways. Like that beat, it was, yeah, I had a drum loop, a very simple drum loop, a bass line, yeah. and then just like came up with all the synths, um, like every other part of the track in the studio. And it's yep. probably my favorite track that I've ever done. So maybe that's a lesson in that I should probably do that more.
0: Yeah, um, f- fair enough. Yeah,
1: so it's interesting. But I think, yeah, um, it's maybe a insecurity that I think, like, you know, what if I don't come up with something good on the date? Mm. Then I, yeah, so I kind of just counteract that by always going in with something that's that I'm confident with. mm. But i don't know what's better or worse
0: yeah i guess there is no right or wrong way at the end of the day but that is pretty huge i would say like you know i think a lot of artists would be in similar positions i actually think i've i I've felt like that before like going in like just work, even just working with friends like who you haven't really worked with on terms of music before be like oh i feel like i have to like you know come up with something good and it's like what if that just isn't working yeah um you know, maybe it is a good idea to at least have a fallback, you know, if you, if you kind of write something and it's just not working, you can at least fall back on the idea that you brought in yeah. or whatever, but yeah, try both. I think that's a, that's a good, good lesson. Cause there is definitely something nice about like coming up with something in the room with the people there. If you are yeah. collaborating in person rather than like, you know, on splice or via email or whatever. Um, 100%. yeah. I think also
1: a lot of the best things that have ever happened to me musically have happened when I was out of my comfort zone,
0: Mm, you know.
1: So like another track I did, Back to Life, was another one of those tracks which we came up with pretty much entirely on the spot in the studio. So, you know, I never would have done that before. And I think, yeah, like when you throw yourself into uncomfortable situations, you come up with stuff that you normally wouldn't. And a lot of the time that's that's kind of what gets you excited as a producer when you hear something that you have never done before mm. or, like, you know, someone brings something out of you that you, you wouldn't have done by yourself, which is, I guess, the joy of collaborating. So it's, yeah, it can definitely work both ways.
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. So true, so true. And then obviously um, off the back of this release, you've got the... Um, the remix competition you've just run and you've just announced the winners, haven't you?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, last week or the week before, yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah, man, that was that was really fun, that remix. That was the first time I've actually done a remix competition. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Like I was really thinking that maybe I'd get one or two remixes and just like no one would do it. Yeah. Um, but I was amazed that 25 um, remixes got sent in and there were some really, really sick ones. Uh, most of them were, were great, actually. So I was, I was super surprised. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was great fun, you know, to like just throw something out there and seeing what people would come back with. You know, like there was some really interesting ones where you know just, they just interpret it in a way that I never would have even seen. Like there was this one that um, by this guy DJ Imminent, which I love right. that name. <laughs> and <Good night>. uh <laughs> DJ imminent and he came like I looked at the name I was like oh what is this this is a bit weird and then he came with this fire like kind of chill cafe mambo Ibiza type of vibe remix and just blew me away wow um so yeah it, it was cool I had a lot of fun doing it and I was lucky enough as well to partner with I don't know if you've heard of Audius before yeah like yeah yeah one of these platforms that's sort of um, trying to combine streaming and the blockchain which is quite interesting and um, yeah. they were nice enough to give me a bunch of these tokens to give away for the you know for the remix competition so I, it was nice to have a, a bonus prize for you know the winners otherwise it was just going to be um, just like well done pat on the back
0: <laughs> yeah for sure there's something on the table yeah
1: yeah so no it was, it was super fun. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I've seen a um, few remix competitions on Audius. I, I think I saw. I don't know if you're familiar with Sub Focus, but uh-huh. he's like a drum and bass producer. Yeah, he he just did one on there. I've seen a few other few other artists do do them. So yeah, for uh, producers out there looking for remix competitions, maybe Audius is yeah. a good place to be checking that out. But um, yeah, man, is it something you think you'll do again for like uh, future tracks you release?
1: Yeah I think so. Um, it seemed like as far as the feedback I got I think people liked having the opportunity to to have a go at doing a remix or even just like check out some of the stems and stuff so yeah I would like to do some more in the future for sure. Yeah cool man cool.
0: Um, I did also want to ask you I mean in terms of just like general production stuff like what have you been doing in the studio? Maybe apart from like, you know, the, the sample packs or just other stuff you've already mentioned, like that's just been inspiring you, like any fun techniques or creative ideas you've been trying, um, any techniques you want to share that producers can use, anything Ooh, like that?
1: Anything that I've been trying in the studio has been inspiring me. I think um, Yeah. lately it's just been playing around with like guitars and bass. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, a lot of the time, things that inspire me. If I'm if I'm lacking inspiration myself, I always look to finding new sounds to work with, yeah, or just try new things. So that might mean downloading a new preset bank for like a couple of my synths, Yep. or yeah, just like getting a new plugin or something like that. Or what what I think is actually better and probably cheaper <laughs> than buying a synth or a plugin is just like learning something new musically. Like yeah, a, 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 one of the big things that inspires me is just like learning songs because um, mm-hmm. I think we're all, you know, influenced by whatever we're listening to and, you know, whether whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we're all kind of just like copying all of our influences, you know, like you get all yeah. of these ideas and then you mash them into one thing and then that's what you are as an artist and then obviously a bit of your own magic at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's sort of my strategy is to just like learn songs um, or, yeah, throw something new into the mix, whether it be samples, presets or sounds. But, yeah, right now like learning, like trying to incorporate the human element more into my music is what's inspiring me. So Mm. even doing things like throwing the drums completely off the grid, you know, not having one single, maybe the first kick is on the grid and then everyone after that is, ever so slightly shifted yeah um, things like this to to make it sound more human
0: that's cool yeah i, d- I definitely think like you know m- like manual swing as well like just manually drag especially if you're doing like hip hop kind of oriented stuff like yeah. i mean or like you know <laughs> down tempo house stuff like slower stuff yeah like shifting stuff off the grid is is a huge way to add that human element in your mix yeah, and definitely. um with like your guitars and stuff like that and, and bass that you've been like kind of playing around, at, do you like run that through like pedals or like a set of effects that you kind of like in terms of to get a certain tone out of those those things? Yeah,
1: um, I, I've i just got a simple sound card like a Scarlet yeah. um, and I normally just go straight in with the guitars yep. and I use a bunch of plugins on them. Like some of my favourite ones would be um like the gtr uh gtr stomp on on waves
0: oh nice it's like a, yeah.
1: yeah it's um it's like this rack it's like a pedal rack and there's a bunch of different effects on there um Sick. the wah one is really cool i will say on that i love to use that um also the the cory wong he's like made a guitar plugin i, I use that oh, one okay. quite a bit nice um what else do i use on, on the bass guitar and stuff um, yeah, a lot of a lot of the Waves plugins. I'm really a big fan of that Waves bundle. So like on the bass, I use the Max bass. Mm. Um Some of the, like the CLA seven six and two A yeah. and three A compressors are really nice. Yeah, um, they're good ones. Yeah, and then also I need to get into Guitar Rig because I've seen a, a lot of people use that on guitars. And I think that's one of the best ones.
0: Yeah, I've uh, definitely got to use Guitar Rig more. It's definitely I, I find it fun to chuck on like non guitar sounds as well. Yeah, just to like, like on synths, it's it's nice just to add that kind of grit or you know coloration to a sound that's kind of just you know to make it not just sound like a synth if that makes sense, like to make it sound yeah. kind of more alive or moving. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely um, an underrated plug-in guitar rig.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Another trick of mine I'll, I'll give away is that I use sometimes the uh, the way sorry not the ways the Ableton amp on snare drums.
0: Uh, oh, nice.
1: Like, a tiny little bit of um, of dry wet, and you yep. can add this like snappy like top end to it. That would, ah, that's quite cool. I'm gonna steal that one
0: as well. I think I'll have to try. Yeah, give it, it a go. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice man. Oh, cool man. This has been fun. Um, I wanted to ask you what's coming. You, you, I think you mentioned before we um. I started recording that you have a show coming up in Berlin. So, do you want to, um, yeah, chat a little bit about that and what that's going to be, what that's going to be like?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I've got a show coming up on the eighth of October here in Berlin. Cool. It's going to be um, sort of a smaller, intimate thing. More of it's it's a combination of like an interview and uh, like a DJ set. So, cool. there's going to be me and another artist, and there'll be people there sort of moderating and stuff. But there's going to be a small interview. And then afterwards, I'm going to play music for a few hours and also have a a couple of the guests from the EP come along and do some live performance. So that's, yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, I've had so far only one show. I had a little festival in Berlin uh, a couple of weeks ago, like an outdoor thing, which was really good too. Um, This is going to be like the first indoor thing since uh, we've come back to shows over here. So yes, very excited for that.
0: Yeah. Nice, man. Nice. So if anyone's listening in there in Berlin, make sure you go check it out. I'll uh, leave a link in the show notes for that. Um, Yeah, man. Well, um, is there anything else coming up in the next six to 12 months besides the show that um, you'd like to share or any plans or vague ideas of what you're wanting to do? (laughs) There's
1: plenty of vague ideas. Yeah. Um. There always is,
0: right? Like, Oh, I might write an EP. I might, I might,
1: the Yo, classic, the this. classic post on Instagram, like new music soon. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, yeah. I've got um, in terms of concrete stuff that's coming out. I've got so the remix EP. Yeah. Uh, for weekend love is going to be coming out in a couple of weeks as well. Sweet. Um, and that's going to feature the remix competition winner, but then also some other. There's, I think, four other remixes I got done. Um, through some of my producer friends. So I'm really excited for that. And in terms of vague ideas, I'm going to be just like right here in this room, like working on music (laughs) for the next, uh, for the next EP. And I'm going to be streaming a bit on Twitch as well. Um, I usually do one every Friday, so I'm going to be doing that, like sort of making music on Twitch and also listening to demos. So if there's any producers out there that want some feedback on their demos, uh, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, and I'll uh, I'll play it on the stream and give you some feedback and, and rinse you if your demo sucks. No, I'm just joking, <laughs> <laughs> just roasting people. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there is. There's actually like, have you ever watched that Timberland? He does a Twitch stream.
0: Oh, does he? No, I, I've seen his um his masterclass ads a bunch, but I haven't seen. That. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if he still does it, but he was doing this thing where he would like similar to what I do where he he gets people to send in demos and then just listen to them and react to them, give feedback and stuff. And some guy sent in this demo, which is like, you know, so not really even terrible, but just like the kick and the timing was really off. Just like basic errors. Yeah. And he gets so mad and he's (laughs) like, (laughs) he just, he's like, this is shit, man. Like this is fucking horrible. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, like how dare you send that into me on this stream? <laughs> wow,
0: Timberland. It
1: just scolds yeah. him. So maybe I'll start doing that on my streams now too.
0: Yeah, do it. Do it for the views, right? <laughs> do it for the, the the viewers. Oh, that's funny. I love exactly. to check that out. That's funny as. Oh, awesome, man! Um, yeah, nice. make sure to leave your socials in the uh, description so people can go check you out there as well. Um. I want to finish off with one last question that I ask pretty much sure. everyone who comes on here. Um, it's a bit of a controversial question because I kind of like to personally live life like no regrets. You know, you learn from your mistakes. Um, but if there was one thing and you had a time machine and if there's one thing you could go back and change that you did in terms of your music career slash, you know, journey, what mm. would you change?
1: Oh that is a a good question. One thing I could change. Um I probably like I probably would learn instruments earlier. Mm. Like um yeah especially guitar and bass and stuff it would be so useful to to learn that at the start so yeah I think that's what I do I just like pick up the guitar much earlier. And I still would have learned the keys, though. I'll just try to do both at the same time. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, totally. No, that's a good one. I, I definitely think uh, I would have done the same. Like, learn instruments as as early as you can. <laughs> yeah, especially keys, because yeah.
1: you always like at the start. You always try to. Well, I don't. I sh- don't want to say years in like everyone in general, but I certainly was trying to get around like you know learning instruments as much as possible and just figure out how I could do it within Ableton which yeah. does bring some interesting and like fresh results sometimes for sure but yeah like now that I've realized I actually do just want to make like you know funky disco stuff you, you can't beat just the real guitar and the real bass and even real drums sometimes yeah so yeah I, I just wish I had picked up stuff earlier on for sure
0: awesome man uh, well this has been fun man thank you so much for coming on
1: yeah thanks for having me enjoyed yeah, it as well
0: and in terms of your socials as I said I'll leave them in the links but is your what's your handle
1: um, most of them it's at jarfunk official sweet, um, sweet. but if you type in Funk, I should come up there's not thankfully many other jarfunks out there there's actually awesome. funnily enough a funeral home called J A Funk, and oh. that's one of the that's like one of the first things that comes up on Google when you search Jafunk. So amazing! Yeah. I'm I'm not a funeral home. I, I'm yeah, I'm a music producer. So if you get confused,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's incredible, man! Sweet. <laughs> well, everyone, go check out Jafunk, the producer, not the funeral home. And um, <laughs> yeah, man, this has been a blast. Thanks Ooh, so much. Right Thanks for right having me. Right Appreciate here. it
1: that she roll her eyes baby come with me and we can roll tonight looking at your aura, shit is so divine i can take you to the top and we explore the heights